ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam Hogue. Go, 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 go. This is Sports Central. On demand and streaming live on WGNRadio.com. Here we go. Happy Monday, everyone. Hopefully you've uh, completely recovered from your St. Patrick's Day hangover. I'm mostly uh, back to 100%, but um, man, 28. I'm getting old. I'm getting old, Ben. You know, I did the whole like all day St. Patrick's Day celebration Saturday, start early. Hopefully we were going to start early, end early. That didn't exactly go down that way. Did have some breaking news this morning. Ben thought I lost my debit card at some point on Saturday, and uh, I was picking up some food on the way into the station. Found my debit card in my wallet. Huge. That That's awesome. That magic like that does not happen on big holidays. <laughs> no. I was convinced that I left the debit card in an ATM machine at a particular bar in the River West region of Chicago, but the debit card magically reappeared in my wallet today, and I'm super excited about it. You know, because everything now online is connected to your, your debit card or your bank account, right? Like your Amazon is connected, um, also like loan payments, whatever it may be. So I'm like, damn it, now I'm going to have to go in and re-punch in my, my new debit card number. That's the worst part about losing your debit card. It, it is. Uh, luckily, I haven't had that. I've had other things happen to my debit card, but never never lost it. Well, lucky for you. Uh, fun weekend. Did you do anything for St. Patrick's Day, Ben? Uh, I worked. You worked. All day. I worked 17 hours. 17 hours. Just a casual 17-hour yeah. workday? Yeah. Yeah, you know, pretty typical. I know a lot of people that don't even bartend regularly, but maybe they have done it in a past life. But St. Patrick's Day rolls around, and they, they bartend that day because you can make some serious dough. Yeah. Yeah, and people come out of retirement for that one every year. Worth it? Worth it. All right. Did you have a chance to watch any of the fun sports uh, sporting events going on oh, over yeah. the weekend, Ben? Yeah. Well, of course, we had the Loyola stuff. We'll get that in just a second. Tiger Woods, though. My dude, Tiger, making Sundays great again. I know this sounds crazy. Actually, I don't think it's that crazy. For me, it totally makes sense. When Tiger's in contention, like legitimate contention on Sunday, and the Arnold Palmer Invitational, though it's not a major, but it's it's a prestigious tournament. It's Arnie's tournament, and the players take it very, very seriously. So Tiger's making a run on Sunday. I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing! <laughs> this is amazing. Um, ratings, by the way, for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I have, I have the um, third round coverage. Third round coverage of the Arnold Palmer Invitational on NBC earned a two two nine overnight rating, up ninety two percent from last year. That's that's pretty impressive for golf. This is from the NBC. This is from the Golf Channel PR Twitter account. Ninety-two percent, Ben. That that's huge. Highest third round overnight at the event since 2013. <laughs> the highest uh, third round um, ratings at the event since uh, let's see. Leading coverage on Golf Channel from 12:30 to 2:30 earned a uh, 9.5 overnight, 0.95 overnight. The highest for round three at this event since 2012. Massive ratings, 5.3 million minutes streamed, up 511 percent year over year. Up 511%. And there were 76,000 total unique 
views at um, off the Golf Channel and NBC's digital platforms. It's a Tiger Woods effect, folks, and he looks good. 53 of 53 putts inside nine feet. of the 53 or 56 of 56. Uh, Rory McIlroy ended up winning it. And Tiger couldn't close the deal at the end. He started the day, I think, three or four strokes back of the leader, Stenson. Roy McIlroy was just incredible. Birdies on five of the last six holes. He takes the um, he takes the crown. But, man, we're two weeks away from Masters Week, and Tiger looks healthy. His club head speed's back up there, averaging over 120 miles per hour, out driving some of these young guys. Tiger's 42 now. And he's bombing it past all of them. Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, he's hitting it farther than all of them. So Tiger Woods uh, entertained me on Sunday like he has so many times before, and I just uh, I absolutely love watching Tiger Woods play golf. But the big story here in Chicago was the Loyola Ramblers headed back to the Sweet 16. That's our lead for today. Custer stops, fires a 15-footer, bounces, and it goes! It went in! 3.6 seconds left. Schofield to inbound, into Bone, on the run, into the front court, top of the key three at the buzzer. No! And Loyola wins! The Ramblers win it! On to the Sweet 16! That was incredible. That was incredible. Just about everything felt right on Saturday, right? Is a Loyola a Catholic school winning on St. Patrick's Day. Chicago celebrates St. Patrick's Day. They go big. Sister Jean's amazing. Ben, well, let's get to some of the Sister Jean stuff because she's been making the rounds. Um, cut three here. Sister Jean um, met with some media members yesterday as they returned. The team will head back, or head I shouldn't say head back, head down to Atlanta tomorrow morning. So they were, got home yesterday. Uh, they'll... Um, they're back in town today, and then they're back on the road in Atlanta tomorrow. But um, here's Sister Jean about the team playing with their hearts. I'm going to tell them when we pray to, uh, on Thursday that, as I did the other day when we played Tennessee, we're confident, we're calm, and we play with our heads and with our hearts. And we need God's help, but we're very much so but we will do our part, too, in playing the way the coaches have taught us. Play the way the coaches have taught us. I love Sister Jean. It's like she talks like um, she's a player, but I guess the player, you know, seeing them win and then they all walk off the court and give her a hug right away. She's in her wheelchair. She's smiling. She also had an interesting take. She talked about how she is normally has two different brackets. One's more of a rational-type bracket where you kind of – actually really take a look at the matchups and break down who you think is going to win. And then she has a dream bracket where she just kind of dreams up fun scenarios and throws them on throws them on a bracket. I told people I had two brackets. I have one that I call a regular and one that I call my Cinderella dream bracket. And of course, everybody knows what that means. And that is possible. That's right, Sister Jean. For the first time since 2004, two number one seeds have failed to advance to the Sweet 16 after Florida State knocked out Xavier last night. Just a crazy, crazy tournament. In the history of the tournament, there has never been a region that has featured none of the top four seeds in the Sweet 16 until now. The South region in Atlanta will feature 
fifth seed Kentucky, number 11 Loyola, seventh seed in Nevada, and either um, it'll be Kansas State. So number nine, Kansas State. By the way, UMBC. Whew, I'm watching the game. I'm like, what is UMBC? I put a Twitter poll up over the weekend. If, if like, do you know where UMBC is? University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I don't think many even knew what UMBC stood for. I, I didn't. You had no clue, right? I had no idea. I, I thought it was something I probably can't say on air. Okay. Some sort of code the kids are throwing out there? Yeah, yeah. Their coach now is uh, reportedly like the... Uh, there's always one coach in the tournament who turns into like the... Um, he's the hot coach, right? He's from a small school. I remember Shaka Smart for a while was like the huge name. But uh, Odom, blanking on his first name, but Odom UMBC is probably... UMBC says they're going to do everything they can to keep him, but, you know... People throw a ton of money in your small school. You just can't hang. But, um, man, just an awesome, awesome ride. I think we do have one more cup from Sister Jean Bend. Um, just, again, her talking about uh, her love for the team, love for the players, and how excited she is. Well, it's been a great deal of fun for me. And uh, I know it's good for Porter and the team and Loyola University. And, in fact, it's good for the city of Chicago. We're the winning team now. And so that's very important to us. But as Porter teaches all of us, we take one game at a time. I know we're anxious to play this game. I know we'll be calm. I know we'll be confident. All right. There you have it, Sister Jean. I was at a bar Saturday afternoon, and it was just packed for St. Patrick's Day. And when the Custer shot went down, the place just erupted. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Uh, anyways, head coach Porter Moser joined Steve Cochran, Dave Bennett this morning on WGN Radio. Porter's been um, talking with some media members and uh, some really great stuff he had with Steve and, and Dave this morning, but uh, figure we should absolutely uh, give it a listen. Ben, we got Porter uh, lined up there. He's giving, me the, he's giving me the one second look there. Classic technical difficulty. Had some errant sound coming from the producer booth. Now you got the thumbs up, folks. Porter Moser, head coach, Loyola Ramblers, with Steve Cochran and Dave Bennett on WGN this morning. Of course, you would think, as Coach Porter, uh, Porter Moser joins us, Coach, you would think with a 98-year-old best friend of the team, you'd quit winning in the last two seconds. You're almost going to kill me. <laughs> I think I think that's a little divine intervention by her part, just to put a little more excitement in it. Now here's the deal: you got a Naperville guy here, beautiful family, four kids. He played at Bennett, played at Creighton, and has proven himself as a great coach already. But I guarantee you, you had no idea it was going to be this much fun, did you? You know, I've I've been blessed to be in this profession and to play in, in something I love. And but it's it's hard to you know you can you can visualize it as a coach and do it but to to say that you know like you said being from the chicago area i've been a diehard chicago sports fan my whole life and a diehard's probably underestimating it um and to, to have a little piece of chicago's pride in this run is so much fun i mean chicago has absolutely embraced us and i'm so grateful for it because it's been something we've been craving here at loyola i mean literally when we got here it was there was almost no interest at all right and it's been a complete grassroots rebuild and it's a ton of fun. The guys are having the time of their life. And uh, and with that, they've been locked in and focused. 
I mean, this is a, a group, a mature group to where, I mean, I'm, I really want him to enjoy this ride. But every time we get in that film room or the, or the practice arena, these guys are locked up and they're completely tunnel vision and, and focused. Coach, how do you explain the late game poise that your guys have? Because I look around at these other games, guys are jacking bat threes early in the shot clock, throwing the ball away, and and your guys don't do that. You know, we've been disciplined all year. I mean, it's something that it's part of our culture, and we share the ball. We don't care who gets the glory. Sometimes when you have teams that 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 want to go one on one, they want they want to do it themselves and. Um, this kid, these don't care. Dante Ingram, after he hit that shot, humbly said, you know, any one of those guys in our offense could hit that shot. Clayton Custer then hit it the next game and said the same thing. And we've been in these situations all year. I mean, the last month or two, we've been in so many close games and just have found ways to win. I've said it a long time this, this beginning of the year. We're a fun team to watch because I think we play our tails off. We're not the biggest team, but we, we defend, but we share the ball. We space it and move it, and, and they're high, high-character guys, and um, it's just they're, they're when you're unselfish and you believe, you know, you're you're willing to to be fundamental and disciplined. How much did that win at Florida in December uh, cause you to to cre- create this belief and and this confidence that your team shows now? You know, in hindsight, you can't help but think that it had to help because you're at the time they were fifth in the country. When you're watching them. You know, you're watching them, you know, Florida, when we were scouting, they had just beaten Gonzaga. They had just lost to Duke in overtime, and they were, I mean, top five. And after you won that, you're like, you know what, we can find a way and compete against that. And you look at Florida, Miami, and Tennessee, all three of those teams, you know, two in the SEC, one in the ACC, they were all so much physically bigger. But our guys had confidence, you know. When you block out, you still got to get in their legs. You know, you can take away some athleticism by getting back in transition and making a wall. And these guys believe in that. And that's that's something that there's no doubt that had to help us as we went into this tournament play in Miami and Tennessee. There's only two 11s uh, left after this crazy week. And I should, what am I talking about? Only two 11s. Only two. There's there are two, two nines. There's two yeah, 11s. Yeah, exactly. If you add up the seeds, you'd never get a higher number than you got out of this first weekend. It's been crazy. UMBC was the big story. But literally, all weekend long, one game would end, another one would start, and you had amazing comeback, and something went nuts, and this Nevada team, good gracious, did they come back against Cincinnati? How do you match up against them? You know what? What a matchup this is going to be. They're they're really good. I mean they they do a lot of stuff. We do. You know they they switch a lot of stuff. They're uh, they're longer than us, and they're 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 like six seven across the board. You know their point guard six seven. So they pose a lot of problems both offensively and defensively. They're one of the most off- efficient teams in the country. They don't turn it over. They push it. They space it. Um, they're really good. There's a reason why they got twenty eight twenty nine wins and. Uh, you know, they've, they won the Mountain West, and it, it's going to be a heck of a matchup because of the length that they have at all the positions. You know, look, I've got nothing but faith in you guys, uh, and I mean that from above and below. Uh, but the fact is, if it doesn't happen on Thursday, you've already overachieved. Is the fact that, that, that nobody expected you to be here, does that take any pressure off? No. No, we don't even think like that. We're just thinking our next one ahead. I, we, you know, I haven't thought about overachieving. I haven't thought about, you know, hey, this is we're we're hungry. You know, we went into this tournament. We, I said it to many different uh, venues that, you know, we're just not happy to be here. This group, 
is is believed and had the foot on the gas pedal. We feel like we're chasing, like we had this mantra, no finish line. And, you know, we were asked during the conference race, after the first nine games of our 18-game conference season in the Valley, we were in first, and everyone asked, how does it feel to be chased? And I said, I don't know, because we're chasing. You know, we, we, that's the mentality we have, and we're going into this thing the same way. All our focus is on Nevada. Um, we're greedy. We 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 we, we want to we want to keep going, and um, haven't even had time to think about overachieving or what this is. It's all about keeping the foot on the gas pedal. I think there are a lot of other teams that wish they had taken that same approach going into games this weekend, including yeah. uh, some some high seeds that got knocked out. But you you touched on something when you first uh, were speaking about having a piece of Chicago and coach. I've always been a big believer that if you have a program going well in this city, and people talk about being a pro town, but I've always been a believer that this is still a great college town, a great college sports town. When I covered DePaul, I covered Loyola when they were in the Sweet 16 in 1985, Northwestern's run last year. Um, Are you an advocate of that? Do you think that your success this year will have an ongoing impact on not just your program but college basketball in this area well i think college basketball in this area is on the upswing i mean northwestern what they did last year what what they're doing there i think uic made a big jump on on what they're doing over there Mm -hmm. and it's good for the city i'm not competing against those guys i mean we're all in different leagues and i mean chris and those guys at northwestern are friends of mine they've been so happy for our run our guys and our coaches were so happy for their run it's good for chicago sports and Yes, I've heard that since I got the job here. It's a pro town. And you know what it is? It's a Chicago fan town. Yeah. It's a yeah. great fans town. They're not just saying, so, you know, if I said it, if, if we're going to put a good product out there, you're going to see the greatest fans get behind us. And I think now more people have seen us play. I think they, they've always respected blue-collar hard work right. Chicago fans. And they see how hard our, our guys play and how resilient our, we play and, and how, how we share the ball and play the game, you know, fundamentally. And I think people have really embraced that, and that's what's cool about this. And is that it's a Chicago fan; they're great fans, and they respect that. And it's good for college basketball. No question. Porter Moser, head coach at Loyola, they got Nevada on Thursday. Have you decided who's going to get the winning shot in the last two seconds on Thursday? <laughs> I'm leaving that for sister. She can she can tell me. She'll email me and tell me. <laughs> Speaking of that, if you were going to play second fiddle to anyone, you couldn't be in a better position. I mean, how much do people love her, and why wouldn't they? You know what? She's taking a lot of the media. Uh, it's giving me more time to watch film. Exactly. You know, and, uh, exactly. <laughs> and and uh, it's a great story. You know, she's been such a gem to our university, and it's great to see uh, the, the country, and then she says the world, um, to, to see how much of a gem she is. Man, she loves the kids, man. You can tell. Um, and God bless her for that. So who do you get more notes from, your own four kids or Sister Jean? <laughs> you know, I got home. It's funny because I got home. I have four beautiful kids. And um, after the selection show, they, we had a big party at Loyola. And then I stayed up in the office till the wee hours in the morning watching tape on Miami. And I got home in the early morning and... On, on the kitchen table was all my kids' brackets, and every one of them had Loyola win the national championship. Like, is this a little biased? Or what? <laughs> I would hope so. Literally, homers. No, exactly. If my if one of my kids had me losing the first round, I don't know. Yeah, not exactly. Trip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, enjoy every second of it. I know you're worried about the kids enjoying it, but make sure you do as well. 
I, I am. I'm very, very blessed. I mean, God's been great to me in this this program, and uh, I am. I'm enjoying it. I know I'll enjoy it more later, but um, enjoy it with this group of guys. Appreciate you being on. Keep going. Let's go, Ramblers. Hey, thanks for having me on. We'll see you. Thanks. Loyola coach Porter Moser with Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN Radio. And, you know, I thought it was interesting when Dave asked him about the um, whether it's a college town or not, or a pro. I think it is a pro sports town, but I think it's just a sports crazy town. I mean, you look at how the city got behind Northwestern last year when they had their run in the tournament, and now we're seeing it with Loyola. So I think it still is a pro sports town. Because of the Bears and the Cubs and the Blackhawks and the Sox and the Bulls. I'm trying to think of who I was missing there. Um, I just think that people love sports in this town no matter what. So if you're winning and there's storylines there, people are people are going to follow you. People are going to get behind you. So um, really cool to see. Now, I do want to get to one story that David Hoff, Chicago Tribune, wrote. There's always just one idiot. And leave it to a shock jock to kind of like dampen the mood a little bit. I shouldn't even say that because he's not dampening the mood, but he, guys, this this guy's something. WKGN AM midday host Cody McClure uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, sports talker. This is from David Howe's column. And the headline reads, column, I wanted to know why anyone would tweet the F word at Sister Jean, so I called the host who did. So Hall writes, I wanted to at least give a so-called professional a chance to defend an outburst I considered unprofessional, unacceptable, and widely inappropriate. F. Sister John, uh, Jean, everyone. McClure posted, except he didn't use the dashes on his Twitter account Saturday night after Loyola beat Tennessee 63-62 in the second round of the tournament. I still cringe reading that. I worried about giving a publicity-seeking shock jock the attention many crave. I picked up the phone anyway because I don't really believe the adage that there is no such thing as bad publicity. I think this example dispels that notion. I can't imagine anything good about becoming known nationally as the guy who, in a failed attempt at humor, used profanity to mock a 98-year-old nun revered by college basketball fans around the world. I asked McClure about his motivation. Quote, my comments about Sister Jean were meant simply as a joke. Nothing more, nothing less, McClure said. It was not an emotional response over a basketball game. That part made me chuckle. (laughs) Nor was it meant to be a slight toward Catholicism or the elderly in general. The joke value came because of the fact we were dealing with a 98-year-old nun who is deservingly beloved by people for her outstanding service. Anything said that would oppose that would create a little shock value, right? It was meant to be comedic, cheap maybe, but comedic. A lot of people got a kick out of it, and a lot of people were offended by it. Hogg goes on to write, quote, I was offended by it. I thought McClure's unfunny joke fell flat. I wondered if McClure regretted hitting the send button. Quote, I don't regret the joke. No, I don't, because of the fact it was a joke, McClure said. For me, I'm wondering when we are, as a society, going to learn how to take a joke again. Why are we so soft on the internet, yet in real life people are joking around about things that they wouldn't post online? Part of my language, but can we stop the BSing ourselves for once and have a laugh? Hall goes on, part of my ignorance, but what makes anybody want to verbally attack a senior citizen for a laugh? I told McClure the counter to his argument is that the language he chose is universally offensive online or in person. 
McClure, quote, I don't see how you can be offended by language. I always think back to what comedian George Carlin said. Words are just words. I don't know why everyone gets so bent out of shape. Huh? I asked McClure if he wanted to apologize to anybody at Loyola. McClure, quote, I would issue an apology to Sister Jean. If this were to ever get back to Sister Jean, I would hope that she understood that it was meant to be nothing more than a joke. I'm not some kind of monster. I mean, who in their heart... Who in their heart hate an elderly nun? Clearly, I don't. So I'd be glad to issue an apology to Sister Jean and to anyone who felt that my joke was intended to be anti-Catholic or anti-elderly. It wasn't. It was an observation of the room I was in at, at the time and the mood people were in. So Hall goes on and talks to this guy for a little bit. I mean, his overall point, he's one of these guys, he's clearly one of these guys that's upset about the PC nature of America. I guess... Many are. I kind of am in some ways, but like, if you're against this PC culture, you don't just <laughs> throw an f bomb at a nun at a 98 year old nun. I don't think how, that's how, how you many fight Hail Marys this. Do you think Sister Jean would give out for that one? I don't know. What are you thinking? What's the over under there for Hail Marys from Sister Jean to? Uh, I you know what? I would say you know at least. 98. Nine, you know, wow. Gotta go, gotta go with her age, you know? She's got experience there. That's a lot. I was just gonna say a handful for an F-bomb, but I see, I like that, though. I like bringing in the bringing the age back into the storyline. 98. I like it. So anyways, that's uh, that's your Shock Jack story of the day. Um, and uh, Loyola, what a great story. Again, they play Thursday, 6 o'clock tip in Atlanta. They take on Nevada. And... Um, it's a seven seed, a seven versus an eleven. That South region is wild. Um, all right, we're going to uh, take a timeout, and the man who normally is in this chair hosting the show, Adam Hogue, will join us. We'll talk some more Bears, some free agency, and see what his thoughts are on the latest moves from the Bears, including what they did by matching the offer sheet the Packers gave to Kyle Fuller. All that and plenty more right here on Sports Central. I'm Kevin Powell. Thanks for listening. WGN. WWWGN. This is where WGN Sports Central lives. Streaming right now with your host, Adam Hogue. This is Sports Central. Happy Monday, everyone. I am not Adam Hogue. I'm Kevin Powell sitting in for Adam for the next few days, but Adam is on the phone and joins us now. Adam, how you doing, man? Hey, Kev. Good. Appreciate you jumping on, and uh, thanks for letting me sit in for you for the next few days. Uh, before we get to some Bears stuff, Adam, of course, uh, hosts of Sports Central, Bears Insider at WGN Radio. Follow him at Adam Hogue on the Twitter. Um, man, what a tournament. What a first four days. What a first weekend. That was a lot of fun, huh? What was your, obviously, the Loyola story for everybody has pretty much been the main takeaway, but um, I, I guess what's your, your main takeaway from this first round? Because it was wild. Well, I just can't remember a first weekend like that, uh, especially yesterday. It was all the upsets. We kind of knew this year would be like that. Um, and I was actually so confused over which teams would end up being. I mean, it was so hard to pick the bracket this year that I ended up just basically going with chalk, just like hoping that, you know, thinking that at least some of the ones and twos have to get there, right? But no, I mean, the whole left side of the bracket is, is all messed up. The highest seed remaining on the left side of the bracket is Michigan as a number three. Um, and the way you look at these matchups, I mean, any of these teams can win, it seems like, including Loyola. I mean, yeah. 
this is, I mean, for them to get the break they did, for Cincinnati to lose, but they probably would have given Cincinnati a game, too. I think um, I tweeted this with, like, a few minutes left in Lola's game on Saturday, and it was whatever happens here in the next few minutes, and they almost lost it, but whatever happens, it's very obvious that Loyola fell under one of these mid-majors that is actually a really good team. Like, they, you can just tell. They're a good basketball team, and they're really well coached. Um, and I and I think that they lived up to that. But just beyond that, so many upsets, such an up-in-the-air bracket, and University of Maryland, Baltimore County, I mean, that, that was probably the biggest story of the whole weekend. That was insane. And um, it wasn't even close. It was a complete blowout. But back to Loyola real quick. We started the show with, with crosstalk with Bill F. Wendy Snyder. And, and Bill Bill goes, you know, Loyola, they're so damn good at passing the ball. And I kind of laugh, but I'm like, you're right. They, they just do everything, like the basics of basketball. They do very well, and they shoot the three. And it's a recipe that's worked so far. And if they want to get to the final four, they have to beat a seven and then potentially a five or a nine. That's how crazy the South region is. That's you know the highest they would have to go through would be five Kentucky to get to the Final Four. Yeah, and Kentucky's beatable. I mean, this isn't like uh, the the greatest Kentucky team ever. And you know, even when Kentucky does have those those teams, you can beat them if you play good fundamental sound basketball. I mean, just look what Wisconsin did to them a few years ago in the, in the Final Four when they were undefeated. I mean. Now, Wisconsin had a ton of talent that year, too, but they played good defense. They passed the ball well. They always found the guy with the open shot, and they were balanced. So, I mean, that's that's basically what Loyola is, just not with quite as much talent. But they're talented enough, for sure, to win. And when you have five scores on the court, I mean, it's not just the numbers. Yes, they all average in double figures, but part of it is, you, you can't be afraid to take a shot, right? And you see that with other teams, almost every team, right, in the starting five. There's one guy whose job is not to shoot the ball, not to take the shots, not to score. They're out there to rebound or defend or whatever it is. Everyone kind of knows their role. But what's great about this Lola team is they all are confident when they put the ball in the air. And so when you pass well, one of those guys is going to be open, and one of them is going to get a shot, and and that's really all you can ask for. And then you just hope that they go in. You know, back to UMBC. That was pretty incredible what they did to Virginia, the top seed, beating them by twenty points. But the UMBC Kansas State game was was one of the ugliest games I've seen of this tournament. I mean, it yeah. was it was just awful. So. You know, uh, it's it's been fun. It's been the craziest tournament I can remember. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, Adam, but I can't remember anything like this. Obviously, as you mentioned, the, the left side of the bracket, but nothing like this. To me, um, I, I'm still liking Villanova, which would be sort of weird seeing a number one seed actually win this tournament considering the actual madness that has occurred in front of us. But uh, right now, Villanova, to me, is still the favorite. For you, who, who I, after the first week, who are you kind of liking getting behind winning this thing? Well, I picked Duke to win, and I kind of, I mean, I'm still going to, I feel that way. I mean, they, they look pretty good over the weekend, and I just think that with Marvin Bagley and, and um, you know, as much as I hate Grayson Allen, he's got the experience. They kind of, they just blend everything together to make a kind of a perfect, 
championship team in this day and age with the young freshmen and the and the experience too with a guy who's been there for four years. So I think Duke has the most talent. Villanova's obviously right there too, and they obviously have that guy with Jalen Brunson uh, from Stevenson here. Uh, who's got the experience and has a national title. And then they're also kind of playing with that chip on their shoulder from losing in the second round last year uh, as a one seed. So, so I, yeah, it would not surprise me if that's how this all ends up playing out uh, with, with one of those teams winning it. But, you know, back to UMBC for a second. The big difference last night, I mean, so, so many things happened in that Virginia game. But so last night, obviously against Kansas State, they just stopped making shots, right? I mean, they were getting good looks and they just weren't going in. They went like eight minutes or whatever it was without scoring. May have even been longer than that. Um, whereas against Virginia, everything, everything was falling. And the other thing too was that Virginia was completely shell shocked. I mean. You kept waiting for them to make a run back into that thing because you knew they were the much better team. But every time that they made a little bit of a push, the Terriers, great name, would hit a big shot and or a big three, and it would just like halt the run that whatever Virginia was on. And they just you could tell they got frustrated. They play a style of basketball that isn't really meant for racing big leads. And when you haven't lost an ACC game all year, you haven't really been in that position before. I mean, they've been so good all year. So I think a lot of things came together uh, to kind of create a perfect storm for a 16 to be the one. And what, what, what a story it was. It was fun to watch. Also, did you call them the Terriers? Yeah, the Retrievers. Retrievers. So, uh, the, the Terriers would be a great name, too, but it was the wrong <laughs> name. Uh, the the retrievers also a great name. Neither one of them necessarily uh, it, that imposing of a dog mascot, though. You know, um, my parents have two terriers, and the Jack Russell is a feisty little guy. They're one of the more aggressive breeds. So, but either way, I think retrievers, the UMBC retrievers, are kind of leading the way, and a majority of dogs around the country are getting behind UMBC, regardless of their breed. Yeah. <laughs> And um, well, I they're done now. So yeah, they're done. They had a that. they had a good run. Uh, we're t- we're talking with Adam Hogue, our Bears insider. Uh, I believe he's on his way to a very warm and sunny and wonderful vacation. So I'm jealous uh, of you, Adam. But uh, let's get to some Bears news. The the biggest news over the weekend, or I guess this was Friday or Saturday. Friday, I think it broke. But Bears matching the Packers' offer for Kyle Fuller, four year, fifty six million dollar deal. They had to. They had to match that, right? And and I know I I saw some people are like, oh, this is a classic Packers or whatever. But they weren't doing it to be an annoyance to the Bears, right? I mean, the Green Bay needs secondary help, and for the Bears, this is you had to you had to match this. Well, the Packers don't have any cornerbacks right now, so yeah. I mean that's partly. I mean, honestly, that 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 probably should be part of the equation too of why the Bears absolutely need to keep Kyle Fuller away from them because. It creates a, uh, it keeps a deficiency a deficiency for your division rival. Right. Um, but that's just part of it. No, the, the Packers were legitimately interested. Uh, maybe they weren't afraid to offer a lot um, because they knew the Bears were in a position where they probably most likely were going to match. 
So there's no question I think that that drove up the price a little bit. I did not think Kyle Fuller was going to end up getting an average of $14 million per year. I don't think Kyle Fuller thought he was going to get an average of $14 million per year. So, uh, you know, congrats to him. His agents played this great. A little bit of help from the Bears who went with the transition tag. But I don't necessarily think that that was the wrong call because if they had gone with the franchise tag, I think it would have been – pretty hard to come together in agreement. Um, so, you know, Kyle Fuller probably wins this little battle between him and the Bears, but the Bears still needed Kyle Fuller. They needed a corner, and, and so, yeah, they're overpaying. Um, I think the bigger the bigger issue probably for the Bears, and it obviously wasn't that big of an issue because they, they matched the Packers' off, uh, offer in like an hour, yeah. So it's not like they were were struggling over the decision, but the way this and I'm not going to bore you too much with the contract, but it's a huge signing bonus that gets spread out over four years, which isn't exactly how Ryan Pace has been doing contracts, and, and so it makes it a little bit harder, not impossible, but a little bit harder to just cut Kyle Fuller loose after year one or year well certainly after year one, um, but even after year two, it's a little bit harder. So. But, you know, he's 26, he had a good year last year, uh, and I think that they believe in Vic Fangio's scheme is going to, you know, continue to play at a high level. And as long as he does, then this contract's going to be the right value. Uh, it's just, if for some reason he was a one-year wonder, then uh, this thing might be the first Ryan Pace contract that we, we go back and say, well, this one's kind of hurting the team a little bit more uh, than certainly the others have. Because while he's made some wrong signings, None of the contracts have hurt their bottom line at all, and that's important to remember. And for the first time in a long time, we're going to see some continuity in the secondary for the Bears. Amukamara's coming back, Fuller's back, Eddie Jackson's back. That's something that hasn't exactly been a strength for, what, a decade, basically? I mean, I guess they've had one side of the field's been strong, but maybe one side's been a little bit weak, and I guess since Peanut Tillman, you haven't had a consistent guy that you know could be a shutdown-type cornerback, but... This is something I think that actually matters, having that continuity in the secondary and experience playing together. Absolutely, and I, I think the sky's the limit for Eddie Jackson, who just played um, – he just did not play like a rookie last year. No. He, he looked like an experienced vet. He didn't always make huge plays, but you know nothing, nothing really ever went wrong. Um, there was really only one game that stands out to me where they were having major confusion and some problems, and that was in Philadelphia uh, against the Eagles when they still had Carson Wentz and were probably playing as, as well as they were the entire season, and that's talking about the team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. So I, I think it's a great point by you, Kev. I think that um, that's something that matters. The big question is, can Adrian Amos continue his ascension he'll still get his chance to, to, to be a starter and potentially earn a contract extension here as he enters the last year of his rookie deal. But I also don't think that this, and this is kind of getting off onto a tangent, but I, I don't think this continuity would prevent the Bears from drafting, say, like a Minka Fitzpatrick, who could still be available at number eight, um, because that's a guy who can kind of give you versatility, play all over, even in the slot, and would still make a, a, a pretty decent secondary, a very good secondary. What's the status with Bryce Callahan? Bears tendered him, right? Yeah, so he's 
most likely still going to be on the team next year. Uh, other teams have an opportunity to match. It's been pretty quiet in that regard. Uh, not match, but sign him to a different deal, and then um, uh, the Bears would have to match. So he's basically a restricted free agent, very similar to the transition tag at a much smaller number. Uh, so he good chance he's back. But, again, I don't think a Bryce Callahan prevents you from drafting somebody else in the secondary. And the latest on Aaron Lynch, Bears f- addressing that outside linebacker position over the weekend. What do people need to know about Aaron Lynch? Um, he, I think he's just kind of a depth guy that um, they're hoping to get some kind of value out of. Uh, you know, g- decent but not great production in his career so far. And, you know, he's coming over from the 49ers. I don't know. He, he, he just, to me, he's, he's one of those guys that, why Why is the other team letting him go, letting him walk? Uh, and it was just a one-year contract. So uh, I yeah. basically, here's, here's the deal with the pass rushing. They don't have a lot of pass rushers right now. Leonard Floyd, besides the Mitch Trubisky, might be the, the most important player on this entire team next season because they don't have very much depth right now. And they need they need to find it, and so they're unfortunately like they did with wide receivers last year. They're probably gonna have to sign, go out and sign a lot of guys like Aaron Lynch, and just hope that one of them works out. Yeah, that, that, I think that's the position that's giving a lot of Bears fans some worry. That that pass rushing edge rusher, other than Floyd, it's it's pretty thin right now. Uh, what's next for the Bears? Obviously, most of the major splashes, I'm sure, are kind of in the books now. But what, what else can we expect to see the Bears do? And are you hearing anything in regards to depth type players or any anybody else that may be on the Bears radar? Uh, not necessarily any specifics. Uh, just I, I think at this point we're we're done with the the big moves. Um, the Kyle Fuller situation got sorted out a lot faster than, than I think everyone thought, uh, which is a good thing because now the Bears know exactly how much they owe him this year and how much against the cap that's going to be, and it's really not that much for this season. So they have a lot of flexibility, but they also have a lot of open spots on their roster. They have to sign a lot of guys, and so – you know, they'll probably pick pick and choose some veterans here in free agency, but I also think that they, they want to stay young, and so they're going to leave a lot of this roster open for, obviously, their draft picks, but probably a ton of undrafted free agents, too. He's Adam Hogue, Bears insider, WGN Radio, and the host of this show, but uh, he's on his way to a fun and sun-filled vacation. Um, Adam, by the way, I should uh, I keep forgetting to add this into your title, Adam, but you are now the White Sox postgame host, along with Mark Harmon on WGN Radio. Um, I don't know, just a quick Sox question for you. I guess I thought I'm just going to throw your way. Carson Falmer is going to make his fifth start of the spring today. And it actually matters. This kind of carries a lot of significance because he's had a really, really awful spring. His ERA is 18-9-0. And he's kind of been battling for that fifth spot with Hector Santiago. I don't know how closely you've been following Fulmer so far this spring, but obviously some high hopes for him. And not the spring he's wanted to have, obviously. Do you, do you start him in the minors at AAA and kind of let him work out these kinks before you bring him back up? Well, it depends what the problem is. Um, For one, I saw him in Arizona, and it was probably his best start. Uh, He was pretty decent 
I don't have you know I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now, but for I think three innings and then it was the fourth where things started to get away from him a little bit. Uh, but he was still really happy when we went and talked to him in the locker room after the game, and just because things started to get better, and, and so I think he was hoping to build off that. So his last start, which obviously went in the complete opposite direction, uh, in, in the wrong way, I, I think was was probably not only a big disappointment to him, but but you know, the coaching staff, too, and and uh, the organization hoping that he was starting to turn the corner here because, you know, he's still an important piece of this this rebuild and they want him to be a part of it. Um, that's a tough call. I, I think if it's, if it's mechanical and it's something that Don Cooper feels like he can fix on the major league level, then you keep him on the team. Uh, if it's a confidence thing, then maybe the best move is to go back uh, to Charlotte and build it back up. Uh, it's a tough call. I, I I don't really know what yeah. what the correct answer is, but it's uh, it feels like a crossroads, right, for for Carson Fulmer right now. Yeah, it's a weird spot for him. Uh, Got a lot of high hopes. It, it does sort of feel like he he's certainly not lacking any confidence because, like when you said you, you talk to him, he's very positive. He's very upbeat. Um, so if it is mechanical, I guess that's that's kind of been the issue for him in the early going now is 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 command form. So maybe it is better to stick around Coop in uh, the major league level. But that that's Adam Hogue. He's the Bears insider and White Sox post game host and uh, the host of this show, Sports Central. Appreciate you jumping on, man. Do you care to share where you're headed to the listeners? I am going to the state of Florida with the rest of the state of Illinois. Uh, at least it seems that way. Yeah, yeah, that's the time of year, man. Well, have some fun, have fun with the uh, family, and uh, bring a tan back. And then I'm pretty sure you'll be working every day for like the next six months, Adam. So enjoy the time off while you got it. Yeah, pretty much. So that's what we're the, we're going to charge up for baseball season here. There you go, man. Have fun. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, you jumping on, and we'll see you uh, next week sometime. All right, see you, Kevin. All right, thanks much. It's Adam Hope. Appreciate him joining us at Adam Hogue on Twitter. Read his stuff at WGNRadio.com. He's got a new podcast up with Adam Johns, Hogan Johns Podcast. They cover bears. They do it well. Adam Johns for the Sun-Times. And uh, they have a new podcast up that went up this morning. So head to WGNRadio.com or iTunes or Google Play or wherever else you could find a podcast. Uh, we actually will have a little more White Sox talk uh, coming up. Uh, Rick Renteria uh, talked to the media yesterday for a few minutes and touched on a wide variety of things. Yoan Moncada batting leadoff. Um, could he be a 30-30 guy? We'll see. I actually love Moncada batting leadoff. I think that's going to definitely pay off. Moncada likes batting leadoff. He's scheduled to hit atop the lineup today as well. Where the uh, just about six days left of spring training or so for both the Cubs and White Sox, then um, they're headed back, and then opening day is ten days away. Ten days away. James Shields, by the way, named the opening day starter for the White Sox as many expected. They'll open up in Kansas City, and we'll have the game on WGN seven twenty a.m. Your new home for White Sox baseball. Uh, we'll hear from Rick Rent three, and then we'll get to buried Lud- uh, headlines right here on Sports Central. What? Um, yes! What? Um, no! What? Let me think, let me think. Ooh. Good talk, Coach. Thanks. Maybe we should stick the radio. He's got a point. <laughs> Chicago Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam Hogue. 
This is Sports Central, but I am not Adam Hogue. I'm Kevin Powell filling in for Adam Hogue over the next few days. Appreciate you joining us. Adam was just on with us talking a little Bears, little White Sox, and about his uh, upcoming spring break trip that he has planned. Uh, happy for him. Uh, I did mention we would hear from Rick Renthree. He met with the media yesterday and covered a kind of a wide range of topics, including Yoan Makata batting leadoff, a um, little bit of Michael Kopech, who's also struggled as well, and uh, the fact that we've got about six or seven days left until Cubs and Sox break camp, head home, get ready for their openers in about 10 days. So um, wide variety of uh, topics for Rick Renteria out at Camelback Ranch. Last seven days of spring, at least yeah. in Arizona. What's the plan here? Uh, to try to get through this, uh, getting our uh, guys as many innings as we can without you know overexerting them. We're trying to go uh, today. You'll see a different type of lineup tomorrow. You'll see most of the regulars in again, and uh, followed by a back-to-back day and then a, a limited day the next day. Uh, but we're going to try and stretch these guys out a little bit more. Uh, we're trying to get them to. Uh, get through that little fatigue aspect and then uh, you know we're gonna have a couple days off once the once the uh, camp breaks uh, we're gonna go up to Charlotte the last day play an exhibition game there have a natural day off work out the following day uh, previous to the open air in uh, in Kansas City and then you have Kopech pitching today still yeah what is the plan for him again uh, both him and Shields are trying to get him extended Kopech will will back him up, obviously. I think if we get to a point where, uh, depending on how many pitches he's thrown, maybe we take him out to the the pin and finish up getting him up and down a few more times uh, before we leave and uh, just get them both extended and get them out there. And they're basically on the same day, and uh, we're scheduling uh, uh, Kopi kind of be in that slot uh, once we make our moves and things of that nature. Mulcano was was asked to... Kind of a heavy-duty question. Yeah. The 30-30 question. Wow, he good question. He didn't really engage on that. But, but do you see him as somebody who could do that someday? You know what? Uh, I don't want to pigeon toll him, and even though that's a really positive uh, pigeon tolling. Tolling. Uh, is it possible? Yeah. Um, again, he's still quite young. Uh, I think he's still developing as a hitter. Certainly has the power to do it, and certainly has the speed to be able to do that. Um, I think we'll all kind of uh, watch him as his journey continues and, and see if he comes to fruition. But is it possible? Sure. But you'd take, you'd be okay with that. Please. I'd be okay with it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The turn he made on first and third on the ball on the left yesterday. Yeah. You have to be really decisive to do something like that. Is that something that's coming up to his comfort level? And, well, it's his, his instincts. I mean, when, you, when you're coming out of the box or you're on the bases and you're running with the explosiveness that they are and running with the confidence that they, that they do when they're, they're running the bases, understanding what's going on in front of them, uh, you have to be able to be really astute in challenging somebody right in front of you like that. Uh, he's got that ability, though. Expectations for Kovac moving down the road, where you see him in the future. Just, just having uh, watched him this spring, what has stood out to you? Again, you know, he's a he's a very poised young man with a powerfully powerfully gifted arm. Uh, I think his experience uh, that he's gained here in the camp, and then the, the experience he will continue to gain in, in the minor leagues, eating up some more innings, which we need him to do, uh, continue to develop his changeup. You know, off of, off of his fastball and, and continue to maintain his breaking pitches. Um, he, he's 
he's another special kid. You know, the, the thing about it is you got to allow them to go ahead and uh, go through their process of growth. And uh, I, I'm sure at some point, um, fortunately or uh, unfortunately, we won't be able to see him right away, but uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, he is a pretty impressive young pitcher. It's Rick Renteria, manager of Chicago White Sox out at Spring Training Camelback Ranch. Just about a week or so, and the Cubs and Sox will be headed back and uh, gearing up for their uh, opener. So that's Rick Renteria. It's time for Buried Headlines. A lot of crazy stuff to get to this weekend. From the weekend, I should say. Saturday, what a day that That was a perfect storm of just a lot of good things. We had some pretty solid weather. Not the warmest St. Patrick's Day. Not the definitely not the coldest, but it was sunny. I think if it's sunny on St. Patrick's Day, we're all pretty much happy. If it's not sleeting or raining sideways, I think everybody's pretty pleased. So we had that going on. We had Loyola, another crazy buzzer beater, which was awesome. Um, St. Patrick's Day, nice weather, Loyola. The fact that it was a Saturday that St. Pat- Patty's fell on. I-, I said it earlier on the show. I was at a bar, and uh, when that shot went in, and Loyola won, it just went nuts. The place erupted. It was incredible. But I always look like looking at the... Um, this is just my one buried headline for the weekend, because I just love this. Actually, we'll start with this really quick. Little Caesars lost a March Madness bet, so now they're paying up. All they basically said was they would give out a free lunch if crazy happens, and something crazy did happen. A 16 seed beat a top seed when UMBC beat Virginia. So Little Caesar says they're going to own up to their bet. They'll give out $5 pizza combos at no cost on Monday, April 2nd from 11.30 to 1. Ben, are you a Little Caesars fan? Uh, sometimes depends <laughs> depends on my state of mind. Yeah, I hear you. I used to go there. There was one by my um, apartment at ISU, Fear the Bird, and I used to go get the five dollar pizza, eat half of it before we went out. You know, for like an early dinner, go out, come back, finish off half the pizza. I mean, it's per- five bucks. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's a great deal. It's an incredible deal. So, anyways, you can get a. This is an even better deal. Free pizza, and it's a combo. So you get a pop and a pizza. At Little Caesars. Uh, two Mondays from now. I guess they need a little time to prepare. 11.31, April 2nd. Enjoy your free Little Caesars. Um, the pol- the police blotter, do you ever look through this, Ben, the Monday after St. Patrick's weekend? Any oh, crazy stuff? Ab- absolutely. I-, I can't say I haven't been in one of those Ooh, as-, as a witness. We may get that, uh, to that at some point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 9.55 a.m. Dispatcher, Cy. Oh, they're dropping already. Can you head over to 500 West Madison for the female passed out in the food court? Ten forty. Complaint says a male in an orange hat and green jacket just punched him, took his hat off, and threw it. Ten forty-two. Police commander. Did I ever tell you how much I hate the color green? Oh, that's that's awesome. Oh, 11.42, they're throwing bottles by the Channel 7 van. Did they deserve it? No, of course not. Good okay. people at Channel I, I 7. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. That's, that's what I would think. But Some of these are like kind of serious, so I'm not going to even go there. But um, I, I highly recommend Googling this because there's some crazy stuff. I, I will have to spend my afternoon uh, looking over that during lunch. 
sorry. I'm like, this is horrible radio right now. I'm like reading through this, <laughs> trying to find ones that I can actually read. I'm looking for my favorite one. Oh, this is a solid one. Caller says a man with pigeons on his jacket is trying to... Oh, never mind. That one's not uh, not good. Uh, the one I'm looking for is there was a guy who walked into a random apartment with a cut on his head and he was bleeding and he went into the random person's bedroom, laid down on the bed and passed out. It's a little St. Patrick's Day uh, news for you from over the weekend. What a great weekend it was. I just had a great weekend. St. Patrick's Day, Loyola out with friends all day Saturday. Yesterday went to Elwoods. You ever been to Elwoods, Ben? I uh, can't say that I have. It's in Lincolnwood, and uh, it's one of my favorite restaurants. Went with the families, capped off the uh, the weekend with a nice family dinner. But uh, Nice. Anyways, that's my St. Patrick's weekend. Uh, hope everybody's uh, recovered and uh, back to full speed on this Monday following St. Patty's. Uh, appreciate you listening for the past hour. I'm Kevin Powell filling in for Adam Hogue today on Sports Central. You can... Um, any corrections, Ben? What did I screw up today? Uh, you're batting a thousand today. A thousand, so, so no corrections. But I've because I know you're a Tiger guy. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah. got a, a good stat for you. Uh, Justin Ray from the Golf Channel. Yeah, he's good. He puts he, up uh, like some cool stats and yeah, stuff and so, little tidbits. So he tweeted out that Phil Mickelson's wind drought lasted 1,687 days. Okay. Sunday at Bay Hill was 1,687 days since Tiger's last victory. Seriously? Yep. That's that's pretty wild. All right, well, so I mean, it's pretty clear Tiger's going to win the Masters. I think we can all agree on that. Settle it. It's booked. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy Monday. Have a great day. I'm Kevin Powell. He's Ben. Uh, uh, new producer, by the way, Ben. We're going to have to do like a full introductory like press conference for you at some point this week where everybody gets to know Ben, the producer. So thanks for your help today. Thanks to Adam Hogue. Thanks to um, Porter Moser was on. We replayed his stuff from Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN Radio. Um, and a uh, little Rick Rent 3 audio as well. So thanks to everybody for listening today. Have a great afternoon. And uh, if uh, you want to subscribe, go to iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find this Sports Central podcast. Happy Monday, everyone. Have a good day.